I'd like to spend this time talking to us about covenant. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you just to turn to Matthew 26, 26. Matthew 26, 26. Title of this message is actually not covenant. Actual title is growing in covenant. Growing in covenant. And I'll explain why. Let's just read the scripture. This is the Last Supper. And as they were eating, Yeshua took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Right? Please understand something. There was bread on the table. That was culture. There was wine on the table. That was culture. He took what was there. Didn't make a special effort like we do here. He just, it was there. He took what was normally available. And that's a lesson in itself. So he said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. You see that? This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom so he took the cup gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins heavenly father thank you for your precious word holy spirit help us to rightly divide this word so that we might be equipped to extend your kingdom on this earth we thank you for this in yeshua's mighty name amen praise god now we have spoken often about covenant in this church, and I want us to be a covenant people, right? It's very, very important. I won't go into such great detail on covenant. God is a covenant God. As you remember, he made covenants with his people all through history. With Abraham, with Israel, he made covenants with them. And this covenant, when the Lord was about to be crucified, he announced a new covenant. The new covenant replaced all the old covenants. All right? It replaced all the old covenants. And although it replaced them, that doesn't mean we just disregard the old covenants. There's so much we can learn from the old covenant. But I don't want to spend time on that as such. There's another direction I want to go in. You see, let's just understand what a covenant is. A covenant is very simply a solemn agreement. All right? That's all it is. A solemn agreement agreement between two parties. We make a covenant, right? It's a, a solemn agreement. Now, I need to explain that covenant is extremely important to God because it's important to humanity. Did you know that all of society, ordered society, at the end of the day, relies on this understanding of covenant? All right? Take that out of society, and society will quickly, quickly degenerate into anarchy, which is what's happening around us. In Romans, I don't know if we have to go there, but it speaks about, I'll give you the scripture if you want to read it for yourself. It's quite long. I don't want to spend too much time. Romans 1, it's Romans 1, 26 to 32. And it lists all the things that happen to mankind when they reject God and God gives them over to futility of their thinking. And it lists all the terrible things, idolatry, uh, adulterers, thieves, crooks, robbers, whatever, traitors, it goes on and on. But in verse 31, it mentions, and in some translators, it says, uh, untrustworthy, 
But in the King James, and this is the more accurate with the Greek, it mentions covenant breakers. So listed with murderers, adulterers, fornicators, idolaters, all these terrible things, gossipers, backbiters, all these terrible things is covenant breakers. You see? Covenant breakers. Now, can I just say this? That doesn't mean that, you know, you and I, if we just break a covenant, we're off to hell. It's speaking about a mentality. All right? A mentality which disregards promises that are made. Amen? Disregards them. It takes no account of them. It doesn't realize and recognize the importance. And you see, when you have a society filled with people that do not recognize any form of solemn agreement, they become totally unreliable. You can make an agreement with them today and tomorrow they can stab you in the back, you see. Now they might think they're being very clever in doing that. But the truth of the matter is, if that spirit pervades in society, ultimately society will crumble. And that is why the devil is so against the understanding of covenant. He's so against it. Now please, you must understand the devil's strategy is always to do something over here, but his big picture is somewhere over there. You understand? Just for example, the devil promotes gay rights. All right? Do what you want. If you feel led to go for it, you've got a free choice in life. Okay? And in the sort of big picture, that's what everybody sees. Oh, it's about you and your right to choose. But what's the devil's little trick over here? Do you know what his trick is? Because he hates humanity? Well, for your information, I don't care how many genders you think there are, there's one gender that can produce and another that cannot. Amen? But for the one to produce, sad to say, they need the ones that cannot. All right? So if you have just the ones that cannot cohabiting with those who cannot, and those who can cohabiting with those who can, guess what? No more humankind. That is the angle. The devil hates humanity. And while we're all upset about rights, etc., he's busy destroying mankind. Can you see that? That's what his angle actually is. Okay? Now, the same thing with covenant. You see, on the one hand, we say, oh, well, you know, why should we have to bind ourselves to anybody else? You see? Why should we bother? And there's a big press by the devil to break covenants. You see, just to do your own thing. Right? To do your own thing. But you see, if you understand correctly, if there's no covenant, humanity will destroy itself. I'll give you an example. One of the prime examples of covenant is the covenant of marriage. Amen? Now you see, if you understand marriage and the covenant, okay, it's a solemn agreement. All right? When there's that solemn agreement based on God's will, all right, and a decision of the heart, right, that brings into that union stability. All right? But if there's no covenant, 
and people, as is the habit these days, just to cohabit, right? Now, in that environment, if children are born in that situation, you see, please understand the devil's angle. What is the problem? Those children grow up without any security. Understand? And if you and I grow up without security, the chances are great we become dysfunctional. Now, if society is populated with people that are all dysfunctional, you see, they don't understand affirmation. If there's no valid covenant which gives the parents the right to affirm, you see, they cannot be a channel for God's affirmation. You have dysfunctional people. And when you have dysfunctional people, that's when you have war. That's when you have destruction. That's when you have ego problems, etc. So you see, the devil just tries to water down covenant over here. What's his angle over here? Once again, the destruction of humanity. You see? That's why young people especially, when you get married, you must understand it is a covenant. And the degree with which you go into that covenant with understanding the chances of that being a successful union are so much greater. Amen? But you see, it's a solemn agreement. Now, what do we have in our society? Oh, you know, we'll try the thing out, see if it works. <laughs> you see, it isn't based on covenant. And if you're going to try it out, let me tell you, it will work until you get married. Why? Because the devil's quite happy for you to carry on like that, you understand? I can't tell you how many people I know. They were married and they had such marital issues, they got divorced, they carried on living together. Now that they're not married, everything's fine. How does that work? How does that work? The other side of the tale is people, everything looks so fine and he's such a fine person. I remember Helena telling us. She's gone to glory now, so we're not gossiping about it, but she was very open about it. This lovely man she met in Maputo, Lorenzo Marx, he was such a great gentleman, blah, blah, blah. He had the same thinking as she did, and this young girl, she thought this was just the real man for the hour. And the moment they got married, you know what? He turned into a complete ogre. <laughs> a complete ogre. She eventually fled Maputo, they had to leave her children. Can you believe it? A mother, a loving mother, because of her mental condition, she couldn't survive. Hmm? Terrible. But she said that. Such a nice man. Suddenly, boom, when covenant came into it, the devil got into action. Do you understand? I hope you're picking this up. So the devil really wants to break down covenant in our society. All right? Because if there's no covenant, no understanding of covenant, society will collapse, which is what is happening right now. Okay, but so, please understand something. What is the church's responsibility? We have to, A, understand covenant, and we have to be a covenant-minded people. Sad to say, what do you think has crept into the church? Generally, I'm talking about. No understanding of covenant. Floating from one church to the next. I started out my Christian walk like that because I knew no better. I got gloriously saved on my own, amazingly enough. But I had friends and they were saved and they helped me get saved, whatever. But I knew that, well, if you're a Christian, you go to church. You see, I knew that much. 
That was my thinking. So guess what? Dear old Graham got in his car and went from this church. Then he heard there was a bit of a flap over there, so he, oh, we went to this church. They let me play the trumpet until I made a mess. I left personally to another church. It's <laughs> always eyeing out to see what the girls were like in the church, of course, you know. Huh? Nobody's gone to church for that purpose, you have they? No, it doesn't happen in this day and age. But what I'm just saying is that, you see, I didn't think anything of belonging to a church. You understand? I just floated from whatever church I felt was good for Sunday. There was one church, the organist was a brilliant organist. I mean, this man was a music master, whatever. He could change key with these hymns, and I thought, this is awesome. And the message was fairly good. But I knew nothing. I'll never forget the day that the Holy Spirit himself said to me, Graham, this is not good enough. You have to join. Nobody told me that. I just knew in my spirit. I just knew. And I joined up with what they called ANSOC in university. got a whole lot of societies. This was the Anglican society. They had like a church going there. But it was a charismatic church. And that day, the charismatic revival was sweeping through Cape Town and the Eastern Cape. And I joined up and I learned a lot. It was a good place to start. Amen. But I knew God said, you join up. Floating around is not going to help. Now, what is floating around a symptom of? Ignorance of covenant. Amen. Ignorance of covenant. But you see, what I want to talk about today is this whole thing about covenant and how you and I, in a sense, grow into covenant. Now, please understand something about God. This is the pattern of development with God. Remember in Revelation it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Right? So he's the beginning and the end. This is a pattern of God. He finishes up and then he starts. Think about it. He finishes up the Omega and then he starts. Right? What do I mean by that? Well, when you get born again, what happens? The moment you and I are born again, we are a new creation in Christ. Amen? Everything's available to us. We're a brand new creature and heaven is our home. Hallelujah. But what happens if we understand it correctly? The moment we get born again, God backs up and says, All right, now we deal with your sanctification. Amen? Like me, like a pickle, you know, I've been pickling in vinegar my whole 20 years. God had to take me out of the vinegar, you understand, and shake me off. And then the process of taking one layer off of the old man at a time. You all know what I'm talking about. It's a process. Now listen, you and I refuse to go with the process. We may just as well have stayed in the pickle juice. You understand? Because we end up worse than we were when we started. You've got to understand this with God. He ends and then he starts. So the moment you get saved, you're like any other Christian on the face of the earth. As saved as saved can be. Amen. But now what's got to happen? The process, you see. You see, that's the way God works. All the time. All the time. Take healing, for example. You realize that by stripes I was healed. God has healed me totally. Hallelujah. Now what's got to happen? The process of seeing that healing manifest in my life. Do you understand? If I don't realize that I'm healed, I'm stuck with sickness for my whole life as a Christian, unnecessarily. Can you see that? It works this way with every single aspect of Christianity. And covenant is no different. Amen? Covenant is no different. 
Let me explain. The moment you and I get born again, guess what? We immediately are in covenant with everybody else. Did you know that? We're in covenant with every single Christian. Did you know that? That's why I just, it hurts me when I find ministers devoting their whole ministry, as it were, to tearing down some other ministry they don't even understand on the internet. You don't do that with a covenant, brother or sister. You don't do that. But anyway, but let me just explain something. The moment you and I get born again, and we are in covenant, right, with everybody else, does that mean I've got to lay down my life for Mr. Lee over there in Beijing? And also for Mr. Jones in New York, and for Frederick in Austria, and for Gustav in Germany, and for Hans in Holland, and for Joe in... You see? (laughs) What I'm trying to say, folks, is this. You see, it's one thing to be in covenant technically, but what happens is there's got to be an outworking of that covenant. Amen? We've got to understand how that covenant actually works out in practice. And I need to say this, that like everything else, our understanding grows. Amen? And as our understanding grows, so the richness and the beauty and the power of covenant becomes more and more real. Can you all say amen? You see, we start off ignorant. That's the problem with most Christians. I don't think they've been taught covenant from the pulpit. Amen? Now, there are churches, of course, they do teach it. I mean, some churches call themselves New Covenant, etc. They understand it. But by and large, I just notice that people move from church to church. They don't think anything of it. Never been confronted with it. You see? Now, the starting point is to teach and to learn, which we are doing right here, to understand covenant. But remember, covenant is a solemn agreement, all right? And you see, as you and I grow, our capacity to actually appreciate and to operate and cooperate with covenant grows as well. Now, let me just explain something. God didn't take Abraham the moment he was born and make a covenant with him there. It was a process. You see, God was in covenant with him, but he articulated that covenant in greater detail as the man went along. And what I need to say is this, that for you and I to be part of covenant, to experience it, we have to be in the right place. A young Christian, like I was when I got started, is not ready for covenant. Eligible, yes. In covenant, remember God, Finishes and then he starts. But I knew nothing about it. I hope you're getting the idea. And we've got to learn how you and I grow in this whole understanding of covenant. As we grow in it, we're able to participate with it and partake of it and become richer in it. Amen? It's a maturing process. Now, something's got to happen as you and I grow for this covenant to take place. And let me explain it this way. You see, as Christians, the moment you and I get born again, it's all about me. What is supposed to happen in the course of our Christian walk is that that focus on me has got to slowly but surely be replaced by focus on others. Can you see that? We have got to slowly but surely let our lives go to the cross. It's a process, you see. It's a process. Now, let me just say this. 
you and I are only ready for covenant in the true sense. And I'm not saying we're not in covenant, but to appreciate covenant and to really operate within it and see its benefits and fruit in our lives. When you and I are slowly but surely dying to ourselves. I'll give you another illustration from marriage. If you go into marriage with this idea, what is mine is mine and what is yours is now also mine. <laughs> <laughs> Between Janet and I, they didn't amount to much anyway. But, <laughs> but if that's your attitude, you know, if I've been living my life, I'm going to continue living my life and you're just going to have to fit in with it. If you've got two people with that attitude getting together, the truth of the matter is they're not ready for marriage. Can you say amen? They're not ready for it. They're not ready for it. They're not ready for that solemn covenant. Amen? Far too often, that's what happens. People get married. They go into this thing. Yes, we love each other. They love each other in a way, yes. But let me tell you who they love more. Why? Dear me, it's all about me. What happens then? Let's fight from day one for control. Amen? But you see, what's happening there? For these mature things of God, there's a preparation involved. Amen? You see, and to understand covenant and to enter into covenant, and I'm going to explain a bit more about it, we've got to have an attitude of, this is not about me. A famous statement, I don't know if JFK, John F. Kennedy actually wrote this himself, but when he was inaugurated, he had a tremendous capacity to grip the imagination of the American people. And he made this statement, which is famous, and he said, don't ask yourself what your country can do for you, ask yourself what you can do for your country. Do you see that? Don't ask what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And that sentiment sent a lot of young people all over the world, American people, what they call the American Peace Corps, doing a whole lot of charity work throughout the earth. It was wonderful. You understand? But you see, when you come into a covenant relationship, don't ask what this covenant is going to do for me. You understand? Ask yourself, what can I do for this covenant? You see, it's got to have that heart attitude for it to actually work. I'll tell you why, because you see, when you understand covenant, it's like, well, the basis is what is yours is available to me and everything that I have is available to you. If you are in trouble, I'm covenant bound to come and help you. If I'm in trouble, you covenant bound to come and help me. You must understand how powerful that is. Let me tell you something. The devil looks at people and he's got an individual on his hands. He laughs all the way to the bank. Did you know that? If you can just separate people from the church, whatever, get them on their own, it's a matter of time. Okay? Now, not a case of just being in church, but on your own. Here you are, and you're fighting battles all on your own. You've got a battle, okay, if you're going to do it on your own. But now, if you're in covenant with somebody else, and the devil looks at you, he knows something. If he attacks you, he's got two troubles on his hands. You get it? And he thinks twice. In the old world, before the First World War, there were so many covenants going on between different pacts and truces going on between different countries. 
When the war broke out, the battle lines were already drawn. Did you know that? This country had made a pact with this one to support them and blah, blah, blah. So, you see? And countries make pacts with people. Why? Because if they get attacked, well, you're fighting too. So it deters people from attacking them. You understand? That's the basis of it. But covenant requires of you and I a totally unselfish attitude because if we go into it and there's a problem and the person that we're in covenant with gets into trouble and we say, sorry, what are we becoming? Covenant breakers. You see? Covenant breakers. How many times have I heard where there's a marriage and the wife gets some terrible sickness? And the husband can't handle it. On the positive side, I've heard of situations where the husband or the wife was desperately ill and at the bedside was the spouse. Day in, day out. That's covenant. Amen. That's covenant. That's what we want here. We're not wishing for sickness. You understand. But that's attitude, you see. And can I just say this, that, you know, we are in covenant with God. Now, covenants, in a sense, grow. All right, remember the principle? It's finished, and then we start. Do you know how covenants grow? They grow when they are tested. Amen? They grow when they are tested. Because I can say, oh, I'm in covenant with Janet. Glory to God. Look at us, example of covenant. And then we encounter difficulties, and what do I say? Married the wrong girl. We're no longer in covenant. Bye. I'm out. <laughs> How often does that happen? And it happens, why? Because people enter in in ignorance. You understand? Now, let's take it to the church. Now, please understand something. There's a vast difference between marriage covenant and covenant between one another. Does everybody understand that? You don't replace your wife or your husband with everybody else. I mean, that would be a cult, and we're not into that. Can everybody say amen, amen. please? Amen. But please understand something. Amen. Praise God. But the point is this, brothers and sisters, all right? We grow in covenant. Okay? How does it work? We reach out to one another. We understand the covenant that we have. Amen? And... When the test comes, when push comes to shove, we realize something. This is an opportunity to prove the covenant that God has given us. Amen? Amen? And you see, once we go through the test, what happens? That covenant, in a sense, becomes richer. The covenant that was always there becomes something real, materialized. And as we go through and carry on, the next test may come. And it might be a bit heavier than the last one. You see? And what do we do? We make a stand based on a decision in our heart that we are covenant keepers. And we go through. Can you see? Do you know what happens? Slowly but surely, the covenant that we have becomes more real. It becomes richer, and it becomes far more powerful. 
Let me tell you, if you and I live in covenant and we know, if I'm in trouble, so many people that will just rally to help. Just think about that in this society. If you can say that, you are blessed indeed. Blessed indeed. And if in your heart, you know that if one of your brothers or sisters is in trouble, it's only your great joy to rush to be of assistance in whatever way possible. Amen? You know the beauty and the power of that covenant. Let me tell you, if we have a society of covenant keepers like that, the devil will not even bother to pitch. Amen? He will not bother to pitch. Why? Because he realizes if I mess with one of them, I've got big problems on my hands. Amen? I'm trying to just birth in your and my understanding an alternative to what our society has been feeding us. Our society has fed us every man for himself. If it blesses you, go for it and just don't worry about anybody else at the end of the day. But in that, guess what we are doing? We are missing the greatest treasure that God has given us. The covenant in his blood. Amen? And just remember something else. Please. You see, God loves covenant keepers. And the moment you and I covenant and demonstrate that covenant, when push comes to shove, guess who comes onto the scene? God himself. Amen? God himself. But if you and I are covenant breakers, guess what? You might think, oh, I'm not going to get myself involved with that person's problem. What happens when you hit a problem of your own? You're on your own. Amen? So I'm just encouraging us. You see, we don't rush into covenant quickly. I know there's men of God that have covenanted with one another. One instance, two men of God, they made a covenant with each other. We are here for each other. They made a solemn declaration before God. And the one man said he's battling with his church and he gets a call from this brother that he's out on the mission field and they're having trouble, he needs help. He says, I don't care what trouble I'm facing, we'll do something to help him. You understand? And we come to that place. That doesn't mean you and I have got to have deep covenant with everybody here. You understand? It's something that we reach out with. We reach out with. We grow into it. You grow into it. But you see, what's got to be the starting point? An understanding that there's a solemn agreement between us. All right? There's a solemn agreement between us. And we rejoice in the opportunity to work that covenant out in one another's lives. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray. In this society which we live, which is characterized by treachery, characterized by unfaithfulness, characterized by individuals reaching for the top on their own, I pray that we would come into the society with a completely different spirit. A spirit which says it's not about us, it's about you and it's about one another. And help us, Lord, to understand the power of covenant, to realize 
the covenant that we've been called into, that was paid for. Thank you that you did not desert us, but you made a covenant with those disciples and you lived that covenant out. A few hours later, agonizing on the cross, you demonstrated that what you said is what you meant. And because of that, Lord, we can live in a covenant society. We can create around us a covenant society, a covenant understanding society, which means we don't desert one another when the going gets tough, but rather we're there. Whatever we can do, we are there. We're not going anywhere. We see these things through. And we thank you, Lord, for the privilege of belonging to a family such as this. In Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. 